Greg Richard here, joined in the studio by Scott Sharp once again. Great to see you, Scott. Great to see you as well uh, on this, uh, well, getting increasingly warm sort of day. It is going to be a stinker today. It is. 39 in Maitland they're talking about. You'd want your air conditioning to be working, wouldn't you? And your fans going... 100 mile an hour. Full bore, yep, yep. Those misters, all of those things. Not good for the garden, though. It's going to be in a bit of shock, so we might talk about watering after a little bit later on. Right, yeah. Yep. Uh, what else what, you got for us? Well, what's going on with lemons in the moment? I paid an outrageous amount of money for a lemon on the weekend. I, I think it was actually sprinkled in gold, or if I'd shaved it, it'd probably be worth more than that. We'll talk about lemons, why they might be expensive at the moment. And New South Wales Christmas bush is coming out in flower, so we'll have a chat about that as well. So we've got Jeff from Stockton. And he's looking for the recipe with a Vegemite treatment for fruit fly. Hello, Jeff. How can we help you, mate? Um, yeah, mate. You've spoke over and over about the um, Malathion Vegemite as a mix to put on the um, tomato steaks. Yes, yes. I've never got what sort of um, how much to how much and... Uh, where do you put it? Down low, up top, or what? Yeah, so look, there's no definite mixture rate that I've, I've got. I just say yep. get the Vegemite and uh, add the Malathon into it just so it, it makes a nice paste that you can smear, uh, yep. you know, down the down the uh, the stake of the plant. Okay. Uh, so look, you can put it all over the stake if you want to, uh, smear it up, down, low, all around. It doesn't what? doesn't really make a difference as far as that's so- concerned. Where do the fruit fly come from? Are they coming out of the ground or? Yeah, look, they're, they're actually well, the little larvae get uh, laid into the uh, into the fruit, and then they just hatch out, and off the cycle goes again, and keeps on going around and around. So, okay, right, Now, uh, one, one of the problems can be is that uh, Jeff, you're doing all the right things, but you know, you know, Jim up the road's not doing. You know, Sally yeah, you know, next door, yep. she's doing the yep. wrong thing. Uh, and you know they're letting fruit fall to the ground. It's it's rotting yeah. the fruit fly. I just love that. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, so look, you can do the right things, and it is important <laughs> that you do the right things and try and keep it yeah, under no, control. I, I do every year, mate. I, I don't let anything sit on the ground for more than you know four or five hours. Um, yeah. Now yeah, the, the, the the other thing you can do is uh, get you know like one of those plastic containers. You know, you might go to the your takeaway shop and and get. Uh, and actually make a little trap out of that as well. So you can put some of that uh, Malathon uh, Vegemite paste uh, right. in, into one of those containers, sort of hang it around the, the area, um, yeah. put some holes what, in what there. What sort of container is that you're saying? Oh, just one of those plastic ones, you know, if you went down to, you know, the Chinese and, and you know, got some oh, fried yeah, rice yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can get those from uh, the supermarket or... Yeah, no, uh, I'm going to around. Yeah, so I'd just make a few holes in those, hang one of those, uh, you know, you know, more than one in the area, and right. the, the fruit fly will be attracted into that. Uh, okay. They go in, they feed on the Vegemite. They love the Vegemite. It's the female right. ones. And then uh, they... They must be Australian. Yeah, they must be Australian. Yeah, they don't like that other brand. They only like the Vegemite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Thanks for that. Okay. Good on you. Thanks for that, Jeff. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, if you use Marmite, it just doesn't work. No, and remember, you couldn't take Vegemite into uh, America for a while, so fruit fly must be rampant over there. Must be. Yeah. Must be more flies than fruit. I think they turned that ban around, though. It's something because it was a, a yeast extract. Oh, right. Yeah, that's why they wouldn't let it into America. But uh, they, well, look, the Americans, they're sensible people. They, uh, they... They, so raising two eyebrows. They saw some sense in Vegemites back in the country, apparently. Fair enough. All right, it's something new every day. Yeah, I know. It's a good story. A little fun fact. A little anecdotes. <laughs> We've got Gary from Kerry Bay, and he wants to know if he can strike a cutting off a bougainvillea. Hello, Gary. Uh, how can we help you, mate? Well, we've got a couple of bougainvilleas, and they've got good colour and that. And we wondered if we can strike from them. 
Yes, absolutely. Look, bougainvillea is a really nice, easy plant to strike. Uh, it's getting towards the season now when it, it's good to do so. Uh, because yeah. here, here in Newcastle, I guess they don't drop all their leaves during winter, but they almost become sort of semi-deciduous in that, you know, yeah. they just sort of thin out a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, now is the time they're growing really quickly. Uh, and as with uh, most plants you're trying to take a cutting from, you take it up from, uh, you know, I guess where the the new shoots are and you're yeah. seeing a green, but just starting to harden off and get some bark there. And so yeah. if you take your cuttings from there, uh, go get some uh, rooting powder, um, yeah. as we love to call it here. You can dip yeah. it in there. You can also use honey as well if you yeah. want to, and uh, then get it into a propagation mix and water as normal, uh, yeah. and you'll find that you'll get little roots coming out of those after a couple of weeks, and uh, you'll have a strike. Oh, great. All right. So that's a semi-hard type. Yes, that, that's correct. Um, strip, yeah. uh, you know, most of the leaves off uh, yeah. off that because you don't. It just won't be able to support the leaves. They'll drop off anyway. So you might yeah. as well take those off, uh, yeah. and then into the propagation mix, and off it'll go for you. Righto. Thank you very much. Okay. Good luck with it, Gary. What colour have you, you got, mate? Pardon? What colour uh, plant flowers have you got? Uh, we've got Temple Fire. Yes. And one I don't know the name of, but. It's some parts that are white, some parts that are pink. Okay, and and there was also the uh, the little bambino bougainvilleas around, uh, and we they have bambino. Yeah. I've got bambinos, and, and they, they they do take off if you let them. Yes, they do. But I've seen people keep them in pots and out in the full baking hot sun, you know, on uh, on yeah. concrete and in black yeah. pots as well. And and they're such a tough little plant. Uh, yeah. But like you said, look, they they will take off, but they will remain. Uh, you know, fairly small and won't yeah. have that big growth habit that a, a normal bougainvillea will have. So, yeah, bambino yeah. bogues are a really nice little addition uh, to your garden. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, Hello. good on you, Gary. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. So we've got Regina from Hamilton. She's got a question about maiden hair fern. Good afternoon, Regina. How can we help you with your maiden hair? Hi, good afternoon, Scott. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. Good. Um, I've got two questions. The, the first one was um, it's not about the question of maiden hair. I want to thank you. I rang you a couple of months ago and you advised me about my maiden hair. It's beautiful now. It's um, got a lot of leaves on it. You advised me to spray the leaves. Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's good. The other question that i got a problem with now is uh, a year ago I was given with a couple of orchids and one pink one, one white one. My problem is the white one is flowered and the pink one seems to be dying. Uh, what do I do to yeah. look after them? Yeah, so now are they, are they phalaenopsis orchids, the ones that grow, yeah, yeah um, like yeah. In a moth orchid some people call them? Uh, you know, they, they grow just, you know, predominantly in bark. Uh, what sort of position, have you got them both together uh, is the question. Uh, well, one is on a stand with um, a few, two more plants over the top of it. That one, the white one, had flowered. The other one was uh, mostly on uh, full sun, so... Um, don't know, maybe that was the problem. Yeah, look, they, they don't particularly like being out in the full sun like that. Uh, so, I mean, you'd have to be watering that one a, a lot more. Uh, now, when you say it's dying, what's it, what's it look like at the moment? Well, it's uh, sort of... Um, um, it's got no shoots on it, and it's sort of loose underneath the butt, like mm-hmm. uh, the roots is not hanging on at all. Ah, okay, okay. So, uh, and, and the leaves, do they still look okay? Yeah, they're 
they look green. Yeah. Now, with a Phalaenopsis orchid, uh, the root system uh, only absorbs in a very small amount of moisture anyway. They mostly absorb their moisture in through the leaves. Uh, they actually use their, their root system more just to cling onto the branches of trees when they're out in the rainforest living and having a, a lovely life out there. Um, so just because yours is a little bit loose, um, you know, don't don't be concerned about that. What I'd do is I'd actually move the orchid now and try uh-huh. and get it into a place where there's less sunlight. Uh, and as you're watering your maidenhair ferns and giving them a bit of a mist, I'd actually do the same thing with your Phalaenopsis orchid as well. Uh, you can still water it in underneath. Now, you haven't got it in a saucer of water, have you? It's just free draining? No. No, good. Okay, because no. they don't like being in a saucer of water and having wet feet. So, yeah, look, I'd uh, start misting that one as well and move it into a position where it's not so much in the full sun. Uh, and, look, give it, you know, another four, five, six weeks. And if it's not looking too special after that, it might be time just to toss her out and uh, go and get another one that's in flower and... Uh, um, come again sort of next year and let it uh, tr- get it into a nice spot and uh, get it growing for you. Oh, that's great. And the one in flower, do I need to fertilise that one at all? Yeah, so you can fertilise orchids. Uh, make sure you get a specific orchid fertiliser uh, uh-huh. and uh, use that in accordance with the instructions on the back. There's a whole lot of different ones you can get. You can get liquid ones, powdered ones. Uh, so always make sure uh, you read your instructions and you're using it on a Phalaenopsis orchid. So uh, you can certainly fertilise them. It'll help the flowering of them. Uh, but they don't really need much fertilisation. Uh, but you know, every couple of months is not going to hurt them at all. Oh, excellent. Thank you so much. Okay, and uh, thank you for the uh, maiden hair compliment, Regina. We love hearing success stories here. Uh, thank you. Okay, okay well, have a nice afternoon. You too. Bye. It's good to hear success, success stories. Success stories, yes, yes. They're, they're the sort of stories we prefer to hear here on the show. Uh, yeah, um, not, not complaints, though. No, we don't like complaints. Uh, we don't like... We rarely get complaints. Well, we, no, we don't. We I don't. have had one. No, I think it's all success here. Nothing bad ever happens. <laughs> Nothing. We've got Christine from Waters Bay, and she is looking... She wants to know if the veg, Vegemite recipe is bee safe. Hello, Christine. You've got a lot of bees around, have you? Well, yes, it's our second lot of bees we're trying. We sprayed for fruit fly with our first lot, and they quickly took off after three or four days. And we're wondering what to do with the fruit fly again this time. Yeah, so look, I mean, any any insecticide you're sort of smearing around, like, you know, we've been recommending, uh, you know, this possibility the bees aren't going to like that. Uh, the chances of them actually going and feeding on, on the Vegemite, though, are pretty slim. Uh, you know how we were talking to Jeff and I was recommending him make up the, uh, the little traps? Yep. Yeah, I would go with that uh, particular method rather than smearing it up and down the, the stakes in your case. Okay. Okay then. Okay, and okay. then you can make you know the, the holes don't have to be very large. You know how you know tiny fruit fly are. Uh, so if you just get something that's you know smaller than bee size, but uh, just enough for a fruit fly to get in, you know, you'll be set. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Okay, and you'll get plenty in there because uh, we do get uh, other success stories. People call back and say that uh, they get their uh, takeaway containers full of dead fruit fly, and that can only be a good thing. Okay. Okay, then okay. no, I was just a bit worried when you said that, and I thought, oh, here we go again. Yeah, just, just be careful. Just yeah, just hide hide it away in one of those containers. Okay. Okay. Right, okay. Diego, thank you for your help. Thanks, Christine. Bye bye. Bye bye. You could just poke little holes with a pen or something, couldn't you? Yeah, I guess so. I was just wondering what you would use. Maybe a tiny little drill or. 
Some, something. You're only going through plastic. Well, I know that, but I was trying to be precise. Trying to be precise there. Two forty volts. You need to get through that plastic. <laughs> and we've got Martha from Maryville, and she's got more questions about the fruit fly. Hello, Martha. How can we help you? Uh, good afternoon. Um, I've got comments, actually. Yes. Um, with when it comes to plastic containers, they're perishable in the environment, so you've got to be really careful about which ones you actually put stuff in. The ones that were recommended, I think, to the first caller tend to perish really quickly and so therefore release the chemical into the environment. The second thing is that I never hear um, Scott talk about the um, toxicity to bees when it comes to Malathon and I believe that that's pretty high. And bees being our pollinators, we want to keep them in the environment. Um, So I just wonder about why... um, that doesn't get talked about. Oh, look, I always talk about the bees and how much I love the bees and don't go spraying, you know, willy-nilly about. Uh, and, and look, the, the recommendation I gave for the Malathon was in a, in a paste and in, and then this, our last caller, then Christine, I was just saying, well, if you've got real concerns, put it into one of those plastic containers so the uh, so the bees can't actually get in there and, and be okay. harmed by it, yeah. So therefore the type of container is in, is very important as well. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying about the ones that I first heard you recommend. They perish really quickly and they crack, so they're not necessarily something that you would want to have. Like, I've, I've done this stuff for years, and my father was an orchardist. Mm-hmm. So, um, and currently what I use is, the, is um, drink bottles with the holes drilled in lowish, yeah. and below that is um, a layer of ammonia, and then there's banana sticking out the top, oh. so that the banana attracts it. They come in the holes. They smell the ammonia. They fly up. They can't get out of there, and they fall into back down into the ammonia and die. Oh, okay. So, that's well. That's thank you very much. For, that's a, yeah. that's a great recommendation. So we're saying, um, like a you know one of those one point two five liter sort of drink bottles, yeah. uh, banana in there, and just a little bit of cloudy ammonia in the bottom. That's right. Oh, yeah. fantastic. So okay. your holes are down lowish, but they're above the level of the um, the ammonia. Yes. And and as I said, they come in those holes. They smell the ammonia. They fly up. They can't get out. They use a lot of energy trying to get out. Um, the ammonia is toxic to them. That they fall down and they drown. Okay. So you can change that fairly re- routinely as you like, and it's non-toxic. Okay, fantastic. We really appreciate that. Thank you, Martha. That's okay. Okay. Have, Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye. Always good to get some improvement calls. Yeah, and a nice, safe one to use. Not going to harm the bees, that one. So, yeah, the banana, the cloudy ammonia, the drink bottle holes just above the cloudy ammonia, and Bob's your uncle, and those fruit fly are going to be pretty unhappy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Unless they love ammonia. That's, well, I do. That's, well, that's doubtful. Last time I washed the floors with ammonia, I didn't like it too much. So, <laughs> no fruit fly, flies in my place. So we've got Glenn from East Maitland, and he's got a question about the hydrangea. Good afternoon, Glenn. How can we help you with the hydrangea? Um, it was given to us as an anniversary present and I, I just want to put it in a pot. I don't want to actually put it in the garden at the moment and I'm just wondering uh, what sort of soil um, I could put it in. 
Yes. Uh, look, the, a very, very good potting mix uh, with hydrangeas. Uh, they're a you know, really vascular plant. They, uh, they love soaking up water. Uh, and the great thing about having it in a pot is that you can move it around. You don't have to have it uh, you know, stuck out in the full sun or stuck in the full shade. Uh, you can get you know maneuver it around so that it gets maybe a little bit of morning sun and then some shade uh, you know after eleven thirty twelve o'clock in the day and you'll have a really happy hydrangea. Uh, the other great thing about hydrangeas is they're very prunable as well. So uh, you know it won't get if it starts to get too large, you can prune it back and uh, keep it just to the size of the pot. Uh, but the main thing is, mate, uh, get a really good uh, potting mix that's uh, got plenty of water crystals, fertilizer in there. Uh, and uh, fill up your pot with that and plant your hydrangea, keep it well watered, and uh, you'll, be, uh, you'll be Jake with it. It'll be a very happy hydrangea. Okay, so what I'm thinking is about a size 40 by 40 or 40 centimetre, sorry, centimetre high pot at the moment, and that's why I just thought what sort of um, soil, but uh, that sounds good, what you've said there, so... Uh yeah, thanks very much for that information. And yeah, and and look in in a size pot like that, you know, forty by forty, uh, you know, you might want to enlarge it, you know, next year once the plant gets a bit bigger, and sort of leave it at that, and then prune it and just keep it under control. Now, the important thing when you're pruning your hydrangea, and I know we're probably jumping the gun here a little bit by about I don't know seven or eight months. Um, but uh, when you're pruning your hydrangea, when it's lost all its leaves in the middle of the year, always prune back to the double bud, and that's where you'll get the flower coming off. But uh, that's not something I guess you have to worry about for a while now, and we'll yeah. talk about that uh, before you need to prune it. Okay, then. Thanks very much for that information. Okay, good on you, Glenn. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, we've got David now from Hinton, and he's got mealybugs on his citrus tree. Not good. David, how can we help you? When well, you got some mealybug on your tree, mate? There's more mealy bugs than trees, Nelly. <laughs> uh, so it looks like you've just got that that white sort of uh, icing sugar powder all over it. No, I, well, I'm I'm calling them mealy bugs. They're an orange bug with a black spot in the middle. Uh, okay, so you haven't got mealy bug. Mealy bugs a sort of a little white, creepy, crawly little thing. Uh, it just looks like you've got talcum powder sprinkled all over the plant. Uh, you've got uh, the I just call it the stink bug, the bronze, bug. yeah, yep. bronze yep. orange beetle. Uh, yeah, look, very difficult to get rid of. Uh, so, you know, I've, well, there's a couple of solutions for that one. Um, you can go out there with your vacuum cleaner and just, you know, an old vacuum cleaner and just suck them off the plant. Uh, and and that, that does keep them under control. They, they might come back. Uh, otherwise, you do have to spray to keep them under control. Uh, and now we're going to talk about spraying malathion, unfortunately, because that is uh, pretty much only one of the, the uh, insecticides that's going to uh, to uh, keep uh, your bronze orange beetle bug under control. So, uh, well, yeah. that might be why I'm having trouble because I was using pyrethrin. Yeah, pyrethrin un- unfortunately is not going to be strong enough for them. Might make, might make them a little bit, you know, groggy. Uh, and a bit slower, but uh, they'll, they'll come back to life pretty quick. So, yeah, unfortunately, you are going to have to use a, a harsher chemical. Yep. Uh, look, again, you know, we don't want to be spraying, you know, if there's bees around, so just be very careful about doing that. Uh, try and make your spraying as targeted as possible, yep. uh, you know, up and down the branches. And they're, they're clever little things as well. They see you coming, they'll hide around underneath the leaves. Oh, so, yeah. 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 But, look, you can, you can be very targeted about it. Uh, yep. Uh, or... Like I said, get the old vacuum cleaner, you know, jump on yep. the gum tree or whatever it is yep. these days and uh, grab an old hoover and uh, go, go out there with a long extension cord and deal with it that way. The other quick question, I've got a couple of tomato bushes and something's eating them. 
I've um, I've dusted them. Yes. Is there anything else? I, I found one caterpillar, mm-hmm. and if he's eating them, he's a pig. <laughs> so is that dust or pyrethrin again? Or oh, I'm sure there's a kid's book out once called, you know, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, and it could be... Oh, yeah, that, that, there it is, and, it, and it's his first cousin, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's written about your particular one. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, it, it's actually eating, what, the, the fruit or the plant? No, the plant, just, just the leaves. Uh, look, probably a bit early for grasshoppers at the moment. Haven't seen too many of them around. I'd, I'd just more likely think that it is caterpillars, uh, so dusting's about the only thing you can do to yep. keep that under control. Very good. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Good on you, David. Thank you for the call, mate. Right. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Bye. Well, we mentioned a bit earlier about how you can poke holes into plastic. Yes. Well, John from Crewe says you can use hot wire. Ah, what a way to go. Maybe you just heat up the wire. Yeah. How would you do that? Over the oven. Over the oven? Yeah. I've done that a a number of times before. Yeah. Burnt my finger on the oven. I was going to say, yeah, watch out picking up that little piece of hot wire. (laughs) It won't be a very good thing. But that's a good idea too. that blister? That is quite a blister you've got there. That's... uh, No oven gloves, mate. That's what happens. I'll be seeking medical (laughs) attention about that straight up to the John Hunter for you. (laughs) We'll have to do after one o'clock. We've got Kerry now from Ray Worth, and she wants to talk about a product called Wetasol. Hello, Kerry. How can we help you? Hello. Yes, Kerry. Yeah, I just got a question. I had my garden soil tested, and the nurseryman told me that um, it's hydrophobic. Yes, yes. Needs wetter soil. I was just wondering what's the difference between um, liquid and pellet wetter soil, which is the better? Yes, well, look, they all work exactly the same way. It really depends on how you want to apply it. So there's wetter soil, there's saturated. Look, there's a whole list of different wetting agents out there that you can get. And it really just comes down to whether you want to, um, you know, sort of dip your, your hand into the bucket of the powder and sprinkle that around and you feel, you know, that you're... You know, you're better sort of controlling the application rate or whether you want to uh, mix it up in the water and put it in that way. Uh, Eventually, you have to water the powdered one uh, and it breaks down and then goes down through the soil. And it makes, I guess the way to, to, to think about it is it makes the the water or all the the soil sticky again so yep. that uh, you know rather than repelling because it's hydrophobic at the moment it, it slows everything down and the water starts to soak in there and uh, and all then you get uh, you know that moisture getting in deep uh, and you break that cycle uh, so you don't necessarily have to use uh, a wetting agent all the time once you've broken the cycle but if it has got to the point where it's hydrophobic then you do have to use uh, you know one of those particular brands but uh, Kerry like I said uh, it just comes down to how you, uh, you know, you want to apply it. Uh, it's the same with using insecticides to keep your uh, your army grub and, and crickets and things like that under control in the lawn. There's there's sprays, there's hose-ons, there's uh, there's powdered, uh, you know, yeah. pelletized ones, and it. so it really just comes down to uh, you know how how comfortable or you know you feel being able to control the application rate uh, to your soil and pots. Yeah, and also the best way to get alkalinity down is sulphur isn't it that's correct yes so you can get sulphur at your local garden center uh just comes in a little packet uh it'll have a prescribed uh sort of coverage uh on there how much you need to put per square meter of soil for instance to bring uh you know to bring it down uh you know each number so uh, just again use your instructions on the back of the packet and apply accordingly is that straight sulphur or 
think I've got sulfur of iron or iron sulfide. Yeah, so that's that's no, I guess. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not I'm not a, a chemist or um, of any sort yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. I, Greg's here looking at all the bubbling beakers and things that I've got <laughs> going all around me, uh, and the, my lab coat that I've got on. But uh, look, I, I think uh, sulfate of iron is um, iron salt. Oh, sulfate. Oh, you see, I'm, I'm I'm well out of my depth straight away. Uh, I'd I'd just make sure you go to your local garden centre and just get pure straight sulphur and use that. Oh, okay. okay. Thanks a lot. Okay, good Thank on you. Very much. Thanks, Kerry. Bye. Bye. We've got Colin, and he's got slugs on his broccoli. Hello, Colin. How can we help you with them? Yeah, good day, Scott. Um, basically, I grew a broccoli that grew really fast. Grew a really big broccoli on it, and for some reason, the um, white butterfly didn't seem to attack it but it attacked everything around it so i decided to let you go to seed mm-hmm. i thought i'd collect those seeds for next year and um just right in the middle of it in the head where all the seeds are just starting to form i went out a couple of nights ago because it was going brown didn't look right and uh it was just smothered in slugs i'm talking 40 to 50 slugs on it and uh i put some snail pellets around as you do and two nights later i went and checked again and they're all back again. Ooh, not... I'm just wondering what the attraction was. And yeah. I looked all over the veggie garden to see if there was any more, and because it's a bit of a jungle, my veggie garden, yeah, all yeah. these rows and that. And uh, underneath the um, capsicum on the ground, not on the plant, there was all these slugs in the same sort of thing. Ooh. I know that at my place at the moment, I've got a snail haven, and, and the snails, for some reason, they love succulents. I've got this big fleshy leaf succulent that... I just found snails gobbling into yep. the other night. Not not happy at my place. Now, uh, a, a way to uh, to keep them under control, Colin, and when we get people ringing in about this, thankfully, giving us the information, uh, is use old eggshells, and you can scatter those around the base. So clear off all the, the slugs that are there. Make sure there's yep. none on there. They're not hiding away. And uh, then get some old eggshells, some some mulch as well if you want to, and sprinkle that around the base of the uh, of the broccoli, and then the slugs won't go over that to get to your plant. All right, so break the um, shells up. Yes, that's correct. So yeah. I think it's sharp. They just don't like it. Uh, I'm sure someone else rang in and gave us another tip about things to sprinkle. Was it on. Sticky tape or something as well. Or? That sounds pretty cruel, mate. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> well, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> Gaffer tape. It, it fixes up anything. But I, I think the old eggshell one is is probably the best way to go. Uh, and certainly some sugarcane mulch or some sort of straw mulch because they just don't like going over that. Um, now you also can get. Uh, you know, slug and, and snail sprays as well if you want to. And you can spray that around the area and it just, they don't like going over it. Uh, it does something to them. Um, I know we're getting all very technical today. It does something to them and it stops them going up your plants. I don't know that you can spray it directly on your plants. Uh, you'd have to look at the instructions in, uh, you know, in accordance with each one that you buy. Um, but uh, you can certainly spray it around the area. But I think the eggshell is probably the best bet for you. Yeah, well, yeah, I've got chooks, so I'll definitely throw some of that around. And okay. There is already straw and sugarcane mulch. I use both of them, but yes. I got a bit. It's right on the edge of the garden, so I don't think it's really all the way around it. But um, yeah, I'll I'll certainly give that a go. And I'd just like you to thank you for. It must have been six weeks or eight weeks ago. I rang you about the um, oh the lime and in winter, and cow manure in summer. And oh I yes, yep. Had put a heap of lime in because I was having trouble getting the broccoli and cauliflower to actually do their thing and produce the actual vegetable. And uh, I'd say it was about three weeks ago I picked my last cauliflower and it was 
cat under 1.9 kilos. Oh, fantastic. That's a, that's a great story. I'm, I'm just wondering about your slugs. I wonder if they're sort of almost parachuting in from the edge of the garden to, to get up onto your broccoli um, and do yeah. that. But, you know, you think slugs and snails move slowly and, and they don't. I know that I go outside my place to my snail haven and I think... You know, I'll go. I'll come slow. back out in five minutes and get rid of that one. But it's taken off somewhere, and I don't know where it is by then. Just yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Both places there are on the edge of the veggie garden, but it was strange that they were so concentrated just in those two spots. Mm. Yeah. yeah, very odd. Yeah. So, I okay. Don't know, another attraction, but um, hopefully I'll get some seeds off it. Yeah. Okay. And um, good luck with it. Appreciate your time, Scott. Okay. Thanks very much. Oh, bye. Bye. We've got another suggestion as well about how to put holes in plastic containers. Uh, Bianca from Rutherford suggests barbecue skewers. She heats them up with a lighter. Oh, well, that sort of works. So you could, well, why not just do it when you're doing your barbecue as well? well exactly. Just put Two a few birds, on the side. one stone, everything's fine. Just make sure you use the correct skewers, that's, I guess. Yes, that's right. And wear gloves because you don't want to blister on your thumb. Oh, can't you get fancy skewers where you have uh, like a wooden handle on it or is that a fondue stick? That's a fondue stick, I okay. think. You probably can get wood handles on skewers. Someone could have rung up and suggested that to us as well. When you're doing your fondue, then you can do the plastic container. Put a bit of dip of cheese in there as well. Off you go. Yum, yum. We've got Graham now from Mayfield, and he's got a clover-type plant with an orange flower growing in his lawn, and he wants to know how he can get rid of it. Hello, Graham. Uh, it doesn't sound good. What, what, what's it look like, this, uh, this plant? G'day, Scotty. It looks a bit like that big-leaf parsley. Right, okay. Uh, big floppy green leaves, and uh, it's it's got like a little, um, oh, like a one of those little round furry things that catches on your socks when you walk through it. But it's in the it's in the garden. It seems to be growing. Right, and, and so it is. Lawn. Is it in your lawn, or is it just in the garden? It's in the lawn. Okay, and it's, it's not in the garden. It's in the lawn, okay. and it just seems to be getting bigger. Have you used well? A, a what uh, sort of lawn have you got? What variety? Bitzer. <laughs> yeah, Bitzer. Oh, look, they, they, they make the they make the best lawns and the best pets as well. <laughs> it's green, right? Well, that, that's all you need. So you, you, that's one success story for you there. Look, I'd go grab some bindi in that case uh, and just give that a try and see how it goes. Uh, make sure you spray, uh, you know, if we're going to have a nice hot day. We don't want any, uh, you know, rain for probably about four or five days afterwards. Uh, right. And, yeah, just give it a good spray with the bin dye and see how you go there um, if it knocks it out in the first instance. Yeah, because they've got little red flowers on it. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's like big leaf parsley. Yet I've got another one on the other side of the lawn, which is real little flowers, real little leaves, and it's got yellow flowers. Right, so it sounds like you just need to give it a, a good all-round spray with some bin dye. Uh, all right. Yeah, it, yeah, see how you go with it. it. It'd probably slow it all down. Important to do it soon, though, because if you're describing flowers and seed heads, that means it's getting ready to spread everywhere. Uh, all righty. Yeah, so look, yeah, get out there with the, the bin dye and uh, give it a go. All right, good on you. Thanks okay. very much. Thank you, Graeme. All right. Cheers, bye. Cheers, thanks, Graham. Well, that's all for us on Gardening Talkback for this week. Oh, wow, that was so quick. We, we, we did have Pam on the line from Cessnock, but we might have to speak to Pam again next week. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. Well, if she wants to call back, we can help her out then. Right, excellent. Scott Sharp, before you do go, you mentioned lemons at the top of the hour. Yes. Now, watering. Actually, we should talk about watering because it's going to be a hot day. It is going to be a hot day, and so important to get out there. The plants might be in a little bit of shock at the moment because they've come from, oh, no, it's a bit of you know rain, relatively cool conditions, and all of a sudden... Uh, driving in today, I saw 32.5 on the thermometer of the car. All right, I think it's up to 
35 now in some areas. So there's going to be some stress out there for your plants, especially your pot plants if they've missed out on a water with the rain. So get out there uh, at the moment and give them a nice deep water. Don't necessarily spray over the top of them. Just make sure the soil's nice and moist. Uh, Again, uh, you know, the best time usually to to get out and water, though, is in the morning and then again at dusk tonight. Um, But if your plants are stressed because we've had this sudden onset of heat, yes, definitely some watering. Uh, Make sure your hydrangeas are well watered at the moment, those sort of fleshy plants, uh, anything that's out in flower as well, uh, very important that they get a good deep watering so that they don't uh, drop their flowers in this heat. Right out, Scotch up, excellent. So water in the morning and the evenings. And deep watering. Excellent. Scotch up, we'll speak to you again next Monday. Yeah, see you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.